Hey, everybody. Welcome to Don't Unfriend Me. This is Matt, and it is Sunday, November 22nd, and it is 57 years to the day that John F. Kennedy was assassinated, November 22nd, 1963, right around 12.01, around that time, and I think he was pronounced dead a couple hours later. And it's something that I've studied for quite a while, and everyone was recommending that I do a show on it, so I figured I would at least look into it and and play around with the idea and try to decide what I was going to cover, because in one show, there was no way, shape, or form that I was going to be able to cover everything. So I thought I would start off with a quick story, and then we'll get into what I'm going to cover. A man who just absolutely believes that John F. Kennedy was assassinated by a multiple ring of conspiracies and was just unable to let go of that until his own demise when he passed away. And when he went to heaven, he went up to God and, and saw God and said simply, how, how are you, God? How are you, Lord? It's, it's a sad day to meet you, but also the happiest day of my life. And the Lord says, well, why is that? And he says, well, because I would love to ask you a question. And the Lord says, well, you're in luck. I happen to answer at least one question for everybody. And he, he says, uh, well, who killed John F. Kennedy? And the Lord shakes his head and goes, well, it was Lee Harvey Oswald. And he acted alone. And the man says, my God, it goes up higher than I thought. Well, I guess it starts off something a little like this. In Ojai Valley Inn and Country Club, my father and uncle, my uncle was in Lion Club's debate, I believe it was, something to this effect. Either way, my dad and uncle went up to a Kiwanis debate club. And on that eve, they were discussing the John F. Kennedy assassination. And honestly, I don't remember a lot of it. I was very, very young. Um, but I do remember that I was intrigued enough to start learning about it later in life, around the age of 13. And I always was intrigued by it. And by the way, this is Matt from Don't Unfriend Me, and since I'm jumping right into it, I will just do this quickly. You can join all social media here. Please like and subscribe if you haven't. Facebook has stopped allowing me to do advertising until the election is over, even though it's been over for quite some time now. But either way, if you would like, like share, and subscribe, I would appreciate it. And please do both, right? Like and follow as well on Facebook. Because if you like, you are allowed to share it with other people. And if you follow, you'll get updates when I go live or when I post these amazing videos. Thank you. So let's get into it. I know for a fact that there is no way that I am going to be remotely able to prosecute or defend the case of the John F. Kennedy assassination. I could most assuredly talk about it for 100 to 150 hours and still have things to say at the end. So I, I can't do that. So when I sat here, I struggled with what am I going to try to do? Well, I'm going to try to pique your interest. And the great thing about the John F. Kennedy assassination is because if you, if you think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone and no one else was involved, there's plenty of proof to say that. 
And if you believe that he also was a patsy and somebody else got involved, there's plenty of proof to say that as well. And if you think it was the Ku Klux Klan or the mob or Castro or the KGB or Cubans or our own government or some other faction, nefarious faction, you'll find plenty of evidence for that. And enough evidence to disprove all those people. That's what's amazing about the John F. Kennedy assassination. It is where the term rabbit hole came from. And you can actually go down this rabbit hole endlessly and never reach your destination. Because there is so there are so many things that are unknown and still unknown and never will be known. David Ferry, who is a witness who was also jump mongooses for the CIA and ran drugs for the cartel and things of that effect, but did CIA Operation Mongoose and a few other things, said it best, the shooters don't even know. It's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. If you look at some of his testimony, which JFK the movie did a good job of capturing David Ferry and his in, un, in unbelievable craziness, is that it really is an enigma wrapped up in a, a riddle. And nobody knows. I don't think there's a person living who knows. Because it truly wasn't a plan. If it was Oswald, it certainly wasn't premeditated. He had flirted with shooting at a general that we believe was a general before, near his hometown, and missing the general and hitting the window. He had taken photographs that I'll show you that a lot of people think are conspiracy theory, but actually are quite real. He was a loner. He was an abuser of Maria Oswald. He was a traitor. He was a saboteur. He was a spy. And most assuredly, in my opinion, he was an asset for the CIA. And I'll tell you why I believe that. My goal is to pique your curiosity like I was in that Kiwanis, Ojai, Oakview, Kiwanis Lions Club when I heard my uncle talk for you to get that bug to start diving into yourself. Because the great thing about the John F. Kennedy assassination is that there are plenty of books on it. There is plenty of material on it. You will never go hungry, so to speak, and you will feed yourself for years. One of the best books that I would recommend by David S. Lifton was one of the first to really dissect the case. And sorry for those who were sensitive to JFK's autopsy there with the word dissect. But really dissected the case from a prosecutor's standpoint and had evidence that no one had ever seen before during a time that it was being released after the country had kind of moved on. But Lifton makes an interesting bedside reading and kind of a compendium for you to go back to at any time to check facts versus fiction. Most of what David Lifton writes is accurate. There's not a lot of supposition. 
And most of it, like I said, is based upon what actually happened. There's some things that you need to know about Oswald. And here's where we start piquing your curiosity. I am not going to go into the whole thing. I'm just going to bring up some points and I want you to think about it and say, hmm, does that challenge the way I think? Here's one against the conspiracy theorists. This is Lee Harvey Oswald. Essentially, this photograph convicted him in the eyes of the public. It was on Time magazine. And it was a photo of him holding a newspaper, I believe, the day before the shooting with a Marlikin Carcano, a Monlicker Carcano, bolt-action rifle, which is an Italian-made rifle. A lot of people said that the rifle was a poor rifle, and it was a crappy rifle, and that is not true. The Manlicker Carcano was built by a company who has been making rifles for hundreds of years, and the Italians, although not good at many things, besides cars and pizza, happened to make a decent rifle. And this was similar to many bolt-action rifles of its time, and was accurate certainly within the 90 yards that Lee Harvey Oswald would have had to been accurate to hit the limo that day. He also has a 38 revolver on his right hip. However, people say that his body is oblong, that the legs are not his, that the torso may be, but doubtful. And that if you look at the photograph, the shadows are going behind him, almost like it is late afternoon. However, the shadows down his face is straight down on his nose, which would show something like a high noon shot. And that the shadows that are going across the steps and the parapet are also showing a late afternoon shot. People have debated over this photo. It either incriminates Lee Harvey Oswald in your mind or it exonerates him. Because if someone did make a fake photo of Lee Harvey Oswald, then there is a conspiracy. And if they did not, then there is no conspiracy. And you will believe whatever you want to believe. People ask me a lot of times, how do I stay impartial? I'm a John F. Kennedy buff. I don't believe in one theory. I don't believe in any theory. I just follow the evidence, and I'm still working on a conclusion. And I will be until the day I die. But there are people out there who will see what they want to see. And there's people out there who will see nothing except for what they've been told. This photograph is with no equivocations real. It's real because anyone who's done any satellite imagery analysis will tell you it's real. That shadows on different objects in different ways will refract and reflect differently. Anyone who's watched Mythbusters will tell you that as the lunar module is on the moon, and it has one light source, the sun. However, there's multiple angles of different shadows, which people also said the moon landings were fake because of, and they are just as wrong. This photo is real. So that's it, right? It incriminates Lee Harvey Oswald. He's guilty. Well, not so fast. Now here's a photo. It's interesting. This was taken in November. Around this time, Dallas is anywhere from about 70 to 82 degrees on average. It really depends. Humidity is still high, and it's very, very warm. El Nino is pushing up, and there are depends on whether the water's cold or the water's incredibly warm. In this time of year, the water was incredibly warm at this time, which would bring a lot of rain. And normally a bad winter. 
But remember, this is Texas, and humidity brings heat in Texas, and the Gulf Stream constantly takes a push against the low, and you get these horribly hot winter days. And it's weird. I've seen it snow, and then three days later, be 70 degrees in Texas. It's the weirdest weather in the world, almost as strange as Colorado. But in this case, nobody's wearing top coats. Everybody's wearing single suits, non-double-breasted. Everyone's wearing a top hat. The police are not in overcoats. However, Lee Harvey Oswald is in a standard prison, light blue, long long sleeve shirt, dark black pants, black boots, and a black non-police issue sweater. Now, normally this wouldn't be strange because in days in today's age, after Lee Harvey Oswald, when you did a perp walk, you would put a heavy coat or a sweater over them to hide the bulletproof vest, which is why all of them now have bulletproof vests when they leave, especially high-profile cases. And the reason why is because Jack Ruby and his 38 did Lee Harvey Oswald in. Well, at least that's what the picture leads you to believe and the video that there is of this. However, why would you wear a dark sweater on a hot summer day? Especially a thick wool one with reinforced elbows and shoulders. It doesn't make much sense, and it's a non-prison issue sweater. Because as we all know, prisoners do not need sweaters in prison. Because they don't leave prison. And if they do, they don't get to take their jackets and their sweaters for a few reasons. One, Alcatraz comes to mind. Those are actually kept in the yard. Or they're kept in a lockhouse, in a jailhouse. But this is a Dallas police department, which runs a little bit differently. And all of these standard issue things are not in there because this is temporary lockup. And he wouldn't have received a long coat or a sweater or even for that matter, prison clothes. Someone purposely gave him a dark sweater. Someone purposely dressed him all in black. And if you're wearing a light blue shirt, and you're going to get a gut wound in any second from Jack Ruby at point-blank rage and react to it before the bullet goes off in pain and have all the guards react to it before you pull the trigger. It's interesting that nobody would see blood. Lee Harvey Oswald was rendered almost unconscious immediately when he hit the ground, and I've heard and seen gut wounds and nobody dies from them quickly. It sometimes takes hours upon hours as your body fills up with toxins and you die and bleed to death internally. Where did Oswald go after this? The ambulance was waiting only a few feet away, and he was launched into the back and subsequently driven off extremely fast. Jack Ruby only had one word when he did the shot, and that was Oswald. Jack Ruby, who was a, philanthrop- or a philanderer, a mobster, an ex-FBI man, a Chicago cop, who had connections in the intel community in the New Orleans district, but also with the mob, had connections with several people who were responsible for the Free Castro movement inside Louisiana, which was a communist movement. Jack Ruby was a paid asset and was an informant for the CIA. He was also a hitman. And he did it out of the kindness of his heart when he was asked, so Jacqueline Kennedy, 
Miss Jackie Onassis would not have to go through the trials and tribulations and torment of going through a long trial. Interesting. It's my understanding that most people who have a loved one who is slain by a person who is still living would love to see them put to death or go through a horrible agony. And Texas still has capital punishment at this time. So now, have I put enough doubt in your mind? Was Oswald assassinated that morning or did it look like to get him out of town? Because was he, after all, what he said, just a patsy? Here's some interesting things. They did carbon testing on him. He worked in a print shop in a library where they actually printed books too. And a lot of the chemical makeups that were built into firing a weapon, nitrates, carbon, etc., etc., powder burns, could happen from a printing press and could happen from handling books. They also had an electron test that they did later and also found out that he had not fired a weapon on his cheek that day. And when you're holding a Marlikin Carcano, a Manlicker Carcano rifle against your face and shoulder, performing three shots, you will most definitely have powder burns and carbon scoring on your face. There were none. However, on the 38 that he used to kill Officer Tippett, which he did do, there were these burns on his hands, which makes sense. Because I do believe believe he did shoot the officer. At that point, Lee Harvey Oswald knew what was going on. He knew that the police was after him. He knew he was made. His CIA contacts did not make contact with him. And he went to the designated spot that he was supposed to, which is the movie theater. And 50 cops showed up for simply someone who didn't pay their ticket when the actual APB wasn't even out on Oswald yet. So the teller had no idea about the Kennedy shooting. But 50 police officers showed up to this one jaywalker into the movie theater. It's interesting. So now it's definitely a conspiracy, right? Well, hold your horses. No, it's not. There are a thing called happy coincidences. There are also things called the fog of war. And both of them create ambiguity in stories and in facts and information. And it's difficult to disseminate which ones are true. And that is where supposition 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 and guessing do you absolutely no good except get you in trouble lee harvey oswald was in the marine corps he shot two times for ratings on his service record he shot at a sharpshooter and a marksman and anyone in the military will tell you a marksman and a sharpshooter are not particularly good at shooting The score is 250 for an expert. Marksman hits 230, sub 210 to 220 as a sharpshooter. Both of those scores are adequate at best, especially with the weapons that he was using, which was probably an M1, Garan, which is an extremely accurate weapon. And most Marines understood how to shoot in a fairly deadly and accurate way, but not Lee Harvey Oswald. So now, of course, he didn't do it. He wasn't a good shot. Well, once again, that may not be true. Let's look at the possibility of doing this shooting. From dollars to donuts, about two and a third second was taken away from Elm and going on Elm Street. I'll show you this picture. Let's see if I have it. 
Going on Elm, you can see up in the top right-hand corner, there is Elm, and it goes into this strange curve. Well, the Texas Book Depository is directly north. He could have went out that window and shot at Kennedy while he is heading towards him, which is a much easier shot, and narrowing his kill range and his kill target. He could have started firing at around 90 to 80 yards, and it would have been fish in a barrel. Or he could just have waited till about 60 yards, where they would have slowed down for the curve, and could have got a front trajectory shot above Kennedy, and made it fairly easy. However, he did not. He waited for him to slow down at the kill spot, and miss it entirely because of the tree that is roughly in the center of the screen and also highly above that right below the window of the sixth floor of the Texas Book Depository. The trajectory for two and a half, two, 2.3 seconds would have stopped any line of sight for Lee Harvey Oswald. Now, let's assume a lot of people say, well, he couldn't have made that shot in 5.6 seconds. Well, you have to remember, with a bolt-action rifle, he probably had one and already racked and loaded. So he had already have it engaged. So the first shot would take place. And that would most assuredly be his best shot. That's the one he took the most time, he breathed through, and he squeezed and not pulled the trigger. And did all of the things that a good marksman or a crappy sharpshooter would have done. But that first shot went wild. There was a second and a third shot according to the Dulles film. Even though there were multiple reports for ricochets all over. And a magic bullet that happened to be pristine that was found in the stretcher. Which I will show you real quick. And if anyone has seen a bullet that hits concrete or human bone or skin or seats or a Stetson hat or a wrist, it would look basically like a flattened penny from Disneyland. But this bullet, we are told, actually was used in the shooting. So now it was definitely a conspiracy theory, right? In the time that he shot, he would have to manually negotiate a bolt-action rifle drive it home, take a breath, realign, find his trigger, find his sights, and pull. And I will tell you, there were eight of the best marksmen in the world who tried to do this shot, and they were unable to. And none of them was their best shot, the third shot, which was the killing shot. If you go ahead and look at the evidence, which we could do that as well, which we're not going to spend a lot of time on that, but I also want you to look when we're talking about Lee Harvey Oswald, that down in Mexico, we were told that these photos were Lee Harvey Oswald and multiple Oswald, Oswalds popped up in different places. And this is not Lee Harvey Oswald. Somebody was setting this up and laying it at Cuba or Mexico's door. Now, you might say that indicts that there's a conspiracy theory. Well, if you believe that, then this one's really going to throw your hair up. Lee Harvey Oswald defected to Russia, got out of the Marine Corps, and wanted to go work for Russia, and said that he was going to release state secrets against the government, and he did. While he was there, he was not accepted by the Russians. He worked in a factory. He met Maria. Eventually, they got married. He attempted suicide because he was so depressed. He recovered and the Russians kept him for more than a year. He then came back to the United States and during that time, a American U-2 spy plane was shot down. Now, could it have possibly have been to increase tensions amongst Russia that America allowed Oswald to go there, release state secrets, have the U-2 shot down, 
to actually force Kennedy into a war because he was soft on communism and they knew he was not going to go into Vietnam or not get into it with Russia over Cuba. So they instigated this like Caesar or the Roman Empire. Who knows? But the point is, is that he came back and was stepping foot back on the U.S. soil. Maria wasn't taken into custody. Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't taken into custody. He wasn't tried for treason or anything else. Nothing happened. Why? We all know that during that time, there was a spy game going on between Russia that lasted 40 years and Reagan. From the 1955-1956 all the way till almost 95-96, there was KGB, Politburo, CIA, FBI, the Office of Strategical Services, was playing spy games in both continents. And this was predominantly over the buildup of arms, communism infiltration and propaganda coming to the U.S., subverting other countries, running mock elections, replacing governments, and essentially all the bad crap that happened between Russia and the United States. It wouldn't be completely out of the question to plant a Russian-type sympathizer who had been touched by the KGB and approached by the KGB to allow them to leave. And then when they were actually processed by the KGB, brought back into America. But the thing is, is that Russia would know as soon as they stepped foot back on U.S. soil that they would be arrested and tried for treason unless there was a plot by both shadow governments to start a war. Who knows? It's interesting. You could go down this rabbit hole all day. I told you and warned you before we even started. But the whole point that I ask the question is, as a radio operator in the United States Marine Corps, why was he taught Russian? Why did he spend time in Marine Corps intelligence training centers? Why did he spend time in Monterey, California in linguistic school learning Russian as a radio operator, an American-based radio operator, which essentially is a glorified air traffic controlman? Once again, must be CIA spook, right? So the CIA did it. I had plans to show you the Zapruder film and watch the shot and break it down. And I am already 26 minutes in and I'm no closer to telling you anything that will help you understand if he did or didn't do it. But I will tell you after reading almost 100 books, watching hundreds upon hundreds of hours, watching JFK, which a lot of the media shot down and said was conspiracy theory, when most of it was fairly accurate. A lot wasn't, because it's a movie. But most things in John F. Kennedy, JFK the movie with Kevin Costner, is a great way to introduce yourself to the whole conspiracy theory channel. Now, we can go into many other things. We can talk about the limo slowing down. We can talk about them breaking and stopping when the first shot happened. The Secret Service agents that didn't react to the bumper and waited, and that Jackie Onassis reached back into to get the brains of Kennedy before any Secret Service agent had even reached the car. These are trained professionals. These are professionals who are taught that the gun is not something to fear, like the person jumping off the block in a swim meet. We can talk how the phone system went down in Dallas and Washington, D.C. for 26 minutes after both of those things happened. We can talk about how half the cabinet was in the air and was detached away from the United States. 
We can talk about how the National Guard was activated that day, which isn't uncommon for the police to, or for when the president arrives. However, why was it actually put in place in Washington, D.C. as well? We can talk about how Kennedy fired Alan Dulles, one of the largest Intel fat cats, who had every reason to go after John F. Kennedy and had the means to do so as someone in covert operations. Kennedy fired many generals. McNamara despised him. Dulles despised him. But even after all of that, when Dulles was probably one of the number one suspects, if you were going to say the United States, head up the Warren Commission, which was the investigation into the assassination of John F. Kennedy, and all 26 volumes of the Warren Report. If you haven't read those and you want a mind screw, do that as well. Here's what I tell people. We could do this all day long. I could tell you why the KKK did it, the mob did it, why Marilyn Monroe's ex-lover did it, tell you why it was Cuba, tell you why it was CIA, tell you why Bobby set it up and then Bobby was killed. I'll go back to what I originally said. We're asking the wrong question. We shouldn't be asking the how, the what, and the who. We should be asking the why. John F. Kennedy had many enemies. He upset the mob and abandoned the mob and the unions. He upset the Ku Klux Klan with civil rights movement and not holding Bobby away from that. Because during that time, that wasn't a very popular thing. You can talk that it was the Cubans who wanted retaliation for him trying to kill Castro three times that we know of, but more than likely more than that. It could be the Russians who wanted to infiltrate and create chaos in the United States and that they were being broken by the war, the secret war that was costing them their entire country and their infrastructure. That Khrushchev and Andropov ultimately would have so much pressure on them to bring Russia back to the KGB days that when Gorbachev came in, the country was starving for freedom and starving for democracy. But still, that element of the Politburo and the KGB are alive today. The why. The closest thing that I've come to to the why is that John F. Kennedy was soft on communism. He traded missiles with Russia out of Turkey. He weakened our country. He mucked up the Bay of Pigs. His indecisiveness in the Cuba blockade with Russia, with his decision to create welfare, Medicare for minorities, and giving them civil rights would tax America for a war that they were about to get in with Vietnam that would cost them trillion. And it was a moneymaker for a government that was ultimately going to be in a recession. And communism, we were losing the war. And the war with Vietnam would weaken Russia, who was backing and funding and providing most of the weapons in a proxy situation with Vietnam. And by doing that, it allowed us to protect Japan, Hong Kong, Taiwan, and the Philippines because Russia was going to expand in the Orient, which would cripple our ability for trade, for oil, for all the things that we need today, including technology. Kennedy had made enemies wherever he went. He was a pragmatist, he was a Boy Scout, and he refused to negotiate and he believed in capitalism and cronyism. He kept his buddies close, and he was stubborn beyond reproach. 
He only listened to those closest to him, and he didn't listen to the people who were the biggest threat to him, and it probably got him killed. But in the end, all of that is simply speculation, and it could be as simple as that Lee Harvey Oswald was insane. He was an angry person who believed that he deserved the spotlight and was more important than he was. That grandiose views of grandeur. That he was something important and he would change history one day and never did. And by taking the president's life, he will forever be infamous for a dastardly deed that robbed us of maybe not the best president, but certainly destroyed the way that our government is seen and the trust that we have for the media and our current politicians. Ever since that day, we have slowly declined. We have been looking for a leader that can help lead us out of this dark pit. And when they stole John F. Kennedy from America, they didn't just steal a great man. They just didn't steal our duly elected president. They stole our innocence, our trust, and our belief. I hope you found this interesting. I hope you take a look at it in more depth. The Zapruder film has been broken down digitally now, and you can see things that are very interesting. The grassy knoll. Did the shot come from the front? How many poofs of smoke did you see? Did McConnelly actually get hit in the shoulder and the wrist? Was there a magic bullet? There's pictures of the limo. There's pictures of a suit, his autopsy photos. You can actually... Go ahead and prosecute this yourself or become the defense attorney. And that is what is fun about that. I just ask you one simple thing. When people ask me if there's a God, I simply say, I don't know. I hope so. And when people ask me who killed John F. Kennedy, I simply say, I don't know. And I hope you find out someday. Folks, that is it. You can visit me on don'tunfriendme.com. Dummies unite. Come on over to my site. Make sure you follow. Subscribe, please. Like, share, and subscribe. We do shows like this all the time, and I would appreciate it if you would throw me a like, share, and subscribe, and a follow. It means a great deal to me. The last thing I will tell you about is Veteran Crisis Line 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. Remember this. 22 veterans kill themselves every single day, and they need your help. It takes one phone call to the Veteran Crisis Line to get them the help they need. If you are not a veteran and you need help also, they will take your phone call. You don't have to be a veteran. And lastly, if you want to make a free call and you don't have a phone, don't have a cell phone, you can go to my website at any time and click the VCL button and it will take you through Skype and connect you to the Veteran Crisis Hotline for a free Skype call. I hope that helps. I hope that we make that call. And if you can't, let's make it together. Thank you, everybody. John F. Kennedy, may you rest in peace. And Camelot died 57 years ago today. And may someday we find the truth. I'm out.